Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. All right, Podcast 389, Kurt Mortensen here. We're going to go into the skills of having that Persuasion IQ, skill number six, on how you influence. Now, influence is a higher form of persuasion. Persuasion is what you do when you say influence is who you are. And the top two, the lost keys, charisma and passion. I'll tell you right now, charisma is one of the greatest referral programs in the world because other people will persuade for you, refer people to you. Charisma is it. So I want to talk about some of the research I did with laws of charisma, but I have a question for you before we dive into it today. Are passion and charisma the same? Can you have one without the other? Stay tuned. We'll talk about it. You will be surprised. Hey, hopefully everyone's having a good week. I've been relaxing, doing a little family time, hanging out at the ocean on the West Coast. I'll give you more info on that next week, but let's just dive into it. Let's get into our persuasion blunder. Don't, don't, don't. So I was monitoring this crypto presentation. If you don't know cryptocurrency, altcoins, Bitcoin, you better find out fast because it's moving fast. But it's already pretty hard to understand. This guy was pretty techy, hardcore, what they call blockchain developer. There were terms that were unknown to the audience. So they were trying to, I shouldn't say it, but dumb it down so everyone could understand it. Because it is something that takes a little time to get and to grasp and to hold on to. And to someone that really gets it, they're not always really good at explaining it. And this person was, I would say there's some passion, maybe a little hype there. Can we have a little hype? Sometimes you're condescending. I mean, the person was passionate about it, but sometimes with the way he responded to questions and talked, I came across as a little hypey, even though I don't think he truly meant it to be hypey. Or he had a lot of caffeine, one of those. But the blunder is... During the call to action, nothing really happened. I've set up before a confused mind says no. It reminds me of all those network marketing presentations I've monitored. Hey, if you want me to monitor your presentation, let me know. I've done it many times. But the challenge with the network marketing or MLM type presentation is the compensation plan. A confused mind says no. One study I did, over 90% of the room didn't get it. But here's the challenge. Here's the problem. They pretended to get it. Uh-huh, I get it. That's powerful. They had no idea. So when the mind gets confused, it's overwhelmed, it doesn't get it, it doesn't understand, it shuts down. Remember last week we talked about keeping things simple? And at a sales manager, I always say, milk before meat, milk before meat. So to a baby, you don't give them a big steak. They got to start with the milk, start with the basics. And that is one of the big keys with persuasion and sales right now. A big shift. See, 20, 30 years ago, you went A to Z. Oh, here's the company. Here's our product. Here's our benefits. This is how we can serve you. Now, they might be starting at M. All the information's online. Maybe they've done their research. Maybe they get it. Maybe you're being condescending. Maybe you're being too confusing. You've got to cater to them. So I'd say the two blunders here, you're either being way too simple or for most people, way too complex. It doesn't matter what the presentation is. You've been doing it for years. You get it. And you think everybody can quickly get it. And when you start dealing with tech 
or maybe the internet or cryptocurrencies or fill in the blank, sometimes you're going to cross that line. Which brings us to our scholarly geeky article of the week. If that's the order, this is not a full-blown scientific journal about exhausting your buying power. So this is going kind of hand in hand with our blender. There's this thing called decision fatigue. This is at blog.hubspot. Mike Renahan is the author. Sent to me by Cynthia. And for Cynthia for doing that, you get free access to influenceuniversity.com. And by the way, check it out. Go to maximizeyourinfluence.com. All the links are there from taking your free persuasion IQ assessment to picking up the new edition of Maximum Influence for free. Pick up a little shipping and handling and all the information you need. So there's your plug. Go there, check it out. Make sure you subscribe to the newsletter. And while we're on it, check us out at Maximize Your Influence on iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Make sure you give us a rating. That really helps us out. And hit like and subscribe. All right. So again, this is decision fatigue. This also could go in the same categories, being confused or overwhelmed, where people get just too tired and they get this decision fatigue. It means you're just not able to decide on something. Even if it's simple or hard, paper or plastic, it doesn't matter. You're mentally drained. You have no cognitive energy left. This is the type of day where you go home, nobody loves you, and you eat the whole thing of ice cream, or you go to the convenience store and buy all the things you shouldn't be buying. Because one of the challenges is your willpower battery's dead, or very, very low. Every time you make decisions, and you resist, and you're dealing with negative people, and rejection, frustration, criticism, it drains that willpower battery, which could cause decision fatigue. Whatever, I don't want to deal with it. I don't have the brain power to do this. And this affects sales reps all the time. Because they go, hey, let's meet 5, 6 p.m., you know, you'll be done for the day. But their day is taking its toll and they're brain dead. You know, a lot of busy people are available then. Let's go to dinner. Let's do this. Let's meet real fast. But it's been a long day. They've been using all that mental energy. They've been critically thinking. And now you want them to make a decision on a product or a service? It gets tough. Now, you see this happening. Let's talk about some of the signs of decision fatigue. When you notice a prospect's acting differently than usual in the late afternoon, just brain dead mentally, maybe they look a little more indifferent. Now, it could be other things. They don't like you. Of course, not possible for you. They don't trust you. Again, maybe not possible for you. Or they're just disinterested. That could be part of it. When they start avoiding decisions, they can't make up their mind. They can't even answer something as simple as, how are you? You're like, uh, good? Yeah, it's been a good day. That should be a little quicker. Hello, red flag. When they start dodging questions by, I need more information. Can you explain that again? Or they have these long pauses between questions. That could be decision fatigue or just low willpower battery or low cognitive functions. Or they might, you'll see this sometimes, they always ask your opinion. What should you do? What do you think? Maybe they're rushing you. They're having hurried thoughts. There's other things they want to do. They want to get out of there. It is the end of the day, you know, if that's when you chose to have the meeting. They're bouncing around, playing ping pong during your presentation. You're like, whoa, whoa. They're trying to get you to the end, and they want you to bypass all this important information. That's not going to help. And they want you to get past all this important information they need to make a good decision. Or they ask the same questions over and over again. Or you can feel they're just asking these fake, random, phony objections, just so they can make the decision another day. Something like, well, I need to think about it. Well, what do you want to think about? 
everything. Okay, hello. That would be your decision fatigue. One final thing that could be a red flag, they just keep forgetting information. When you talk about the repetition, same thing. So what do you do here to get past this decision fatigue? Well, keep in mind to read the person. If you've seen any of the signs I just talked about, then that could be a red flag. Try to catch them in the morning, 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. or even earlier if you can, before the hectic days, the meetings, the stress, the conflict, the anger, the resentment. What about all those? But anyway, any of those could really drain that mental battery, drain that willpower battery. Now, if you see this starting to happen, focus on one simple thing at a time, small, manageable, bite-sized pieces. Make sure you're not getting overwhelmed. I've told you this before, when I get overwhelmed, so much to do, got to do this, do this, you take a nap, right? That's what their brain's doing, it's taking a nap. Maybe you need to take a look at your presentation to keep it a little more simple, a little more concise, and hey, own up, let's, let's reschedule the meeting. They've obviously had a bad day, something's going, or maybe just go recharge their battery. I mean, we know what drains a battery. Go recharge it. Go get a drink. Get something to eat. Get some sunshine. Tell a joke. Use your sense of humor. Talk about optimistic, positive things. Or when all else fails, reschedule. We've talked about it before. Go back to the archives and listen to Mood Matters. When people are in a negative mood, they recall negative things, and it's easier for them to say no. When there's a positive mood, they're going to recall positive things, and it's easier for them to say yes. If that's an issue for you, go back to Mood Matters in the archives at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. So there you have it. I will post the link at MaximizeYourInfluence.com as we get into Persuasion IQ skill number six. Now, we don't have time to go through all of them. Identified things that make you more influential. Remember, influence is who you are. And the two I've identified I want to talk about today, passion and charisma. And yes, they are different. You could have passion, just like the presentation I monitored, without having charisma. But you can't have charisma without having passion. So let's go through each one of those so that makes more sense. So you can be passionate about something, but you're not charismatic attracting people. But when you're charismatic, you are passionate. You have a little combination of both. Because think about the charismatic people that you know. They have presence. They have charm. They're captivating. They command our attention. We hang on to their every word. Their energy energizes us. It motivates us. It inspires us. We feel better for having met them. We feel good about being persuaded by them. That's why this is such a powerful skill. You know, I spent years doing research for laws of charisma, and it's not necessarily leadership assertiveness or enthusiasm or being a people person, although that's kind of part of the package. I love what the attorney Jerry Spence said, and supposedly he's never lost a case. He says, charisma is energy from the heart zone. If the speaker has no feeling, there's nothing to transfer. Charisma occurs when the speaker's feelings are transferred in the purest form to another. It's kind of a raw feeling, passing our pure energy, our pure passion to another person. Now, you can learn charisma. I've seen a lot of seminars, oh, you can't learn it. No, you're not born with it. I mean, sure, babies are charismatic when they cry a lot. Well, maybe they're repelling people. I guess I'll let you decide on that one. But you could learn these things. So when I first started studying charisma, Professor Jay Conger kind of had interesting characteristics of charismatic leaders. So let's start there, and I'll add a few more to that. So he says, number one, charismatic leaders have a strong, clear vision. Because you can't get someone to go somewhere if you don't know where you're going yourself. And they can instill that vision. They can explain that vision. They can get other people excited about that vision. They can get other people to mentally see themselves using their product or service. That's the one. 
Number two, they know how to present their vision so that the weaknesses of the present condition are apparent and they can recommend changes that are seen as not only justifiable, but desirable and necessary. Meaning this vision and the way they present it and they show the present weaknesses, we want to change. Because deep down, people want to change. They want to improve. They want to make more money. They want to get better. They want more success. But they can take that vision and communicate it where it's exciting. We need to do this. Let's go right now. Number three, Dr. Conger talks about, they have a history of success, expertise, and a vision to make educated departures from old traditions that may be less effective. So there's a history there. We want to follow a charismatic person that's been successful, that's been there, that's done that, that has the before and after picture. And they have a track record, or what he calls educated departure from old traditions, and it makes perfect sense to follow that person. And his final one, they possess the behavior they encourage others to have. They model the results of change themselves and help their audience feel motivated and empowered to do likewise. Basically, with product of the product, they're already doing what they are asking you to do. They model the change product of the product. So that is the key. That's charisma. So let me add a few more to that based on my research on charisma. Some things you can add to be more charismatic. First of all, develop confidence in yourself and your message. Don't show nervousness. When you're ready to roll, I've got a new beta program called The Perfect Persuasive Presentation. We're going to show you how to structure a presentation, to overcome your nervousness, get those butterflies to fly in formation, so you have confidence in your presentation. I'm not talking arrogance. I'm talking about confidence, the way you come across, your demeanor, your gestures, the way your presentation is structured that's key. Another one that's interesting but makes perfect sense is show a lighter side. Find your sense of humor. Be happy. Have fun. Don't take life too seriously. Learn to laugh at yourself. Learn to be embarrassed. That's okay. You're going to make mistakes. It's when you cover up or the way you get embarrassed or you won't admit your mistakes or you won't even smile at yourself. That can hurt your charisma. Next one, have great presence and energy. Build the trust. Because if they are energyless, if they are bored, if they are indifferent, that's your fault. Own up. Have good presence. The way you walk into the room, the energy level makes a big difference. Number four, be knowledgeable about your subject matter. Be competent. Know what you're talking about. Teach them something new in the first four minutes. Show them a different angle or different way to use it, a different thing they haven't thought about. That is key. And of course, your background, your knowledge, your experience is important, but be knowledgeable. Be the subject matter expert. In an arrogant way, but you are the expert. And when they accept you as the expert, there's very little resistance. Next one, have a pleasant professional appearance. Clothes, hair, shoes, yeah, it does matter. Well, Kurt, it shouldn't. I agree, but it does. Dress the part. Manage those expectations. And of course, be sensitive to people and their needs. Develop rapport. Connect with them. Be a good listener. Boost their self-esteem. We all know it's one of the 12 laws of persuasion that when you hurt someone's self-esteem, it shuts the doors to influence you, enhance it, it opens the doors. Here's an interesting one. Make sure your message is clear and easy to follow. We've talked about that. Confused, overwhelmed, makes perfect sense to you. Start where they are in the persuasion process. And of course, make sure you're exciting and engaging to listen to. Stories, analogies, verbal packaging, the way you use your voice makes a big difference. And I'm telling you, if you're not recording your presentations, at least audio, but hopefully video, you're not taking your career seriously because you can improve. You can get better. Let me help you do that. Send me an email at Kurt at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. 
I mean, look at your presentation. I'll analyze it. I'll tell you what you need to do. I'm sure you don't want me to sugarcoat it because that's been my passion for the last 20 years. So we talked about this charisma. So when you're charismatic, you're passionate, but sometimes you be passionate without charismatic. Let me explain. See, passion does recruit the hearts and minds of your audience. That heartfelt passion. When you feel that conviction for your product or service, they emotionally jump on board. So that is a transfer of emotion. They might not agree with you. They, you might not have the engaging presence of a charismatic person, but they do know that you believe what you're saying. Whether they believe that's another thing, but usually with true passion, people will believe you. They know at least that you care about it, that it's important to you, that you have the zeal for the subject. And that's a big complaint. All the people we interviewed that were being persuaded, they felt that half of their persuaders didn't have passion for their product or service. They were just going through the motions. Because when you have passion for something, you want to share it with the world. You want to convert as many people to your cause as possible. You're not swayed by the opinions of others. You have a sense of mission. It drives you. It stimulates you. It motivates you to higher levels of achievement. Because you really believe in that. Passion alone can be effective in influencing others to support your product, service, or cause. Now, you didn't come across as charismatic, like I talked about. Maybe you didn't have the presence or the confidence, or maybe they didn't accept you as the expert, but they do know that you are passionate about it. You really believe in what you're doing, which is helpful. I would prefer both, but if all you had was passion, let's start there. See, the big difference is between charisma and passion is charisma is a characteristic, while passion is an emotion. Your ability to transfer your passion about what you do, your product or service is required. You have to do this as one of your persuasion IQ skills. And it's interesting, when you look at passion, I can monitor two persuaders who possess the same scores in the persuasion IQ, the same application, the same general areas, the same knowledge, the same education, you know, all those things. But that passion is a big factor. Yeah, charisma, that's even a bigger factor. Because you can have all the product knowledge in the world, but if you don't come across as passionate, you're not charismatic, it will hurt your ability to persuade influence. So here's the question about passion. And this happens with a lot of persuaders. Here's the question. You ready? When you are presenting to somebody, are you singing the song or are you just singing the words? Ouch. Yeah, anybody can just do the words. But when you're singing the song, they can feel it. And sometimes you've done the presentation so many times that can come across that you're just singing the words or you prejudge them. Oh, they won't do it. They won't interest it. It won't work out. They're going to say no. You wouldn't be interested, would you? would be another way to really come across like you're just going through the words, you're going through the motions instead of really singing the song, having that passion. So there you have it. That's our episode of the day. Work on your passion. Work on your charisma. You can learn these skills. I promise you, I've been studying charisma a long time, and it is one of your pieces of your persuasion IQ. Because when you're charismatic, again, people want to be around you. They want to be influenced by you. They want to be persuaded by you. And they're going to recruit all your friends, refer all your friends. What did I say earlier? Charisma is one of the best referral tools ever. It's a great referral program because it's just easy to recommend you. They liked you. They connected with you. You are the expert. You have passion. You're charismatic. Why wouldn't they refer you? Work on these skills. So again, appreciate your time and support. Send me an email, kurt at maximizeyourinfluence.com with questions about the new beta version and the perfect persuasive presentation. We'll also put the special of the week at maximizeyourinfluence.com, but do recommend us to your family, friends, and enemies. Rate us on iTunes. Hit like and subscribe on YouTube. But let me know what you're thinking. Let me know what you want to hear next. 
master these skills. I know we should have learned them in school. Everything you want in life's on the other side of persuasion. That's why I'm so passionate about it. We should have learned this a long time ago, but you're learning it now. So pick something I talked about today. Come up with a game plan to fix it. Learn to motivate others. Captivate with your charisma. Increase your presence with your passion. And go out and persuade with power.